trigger warning. This podcast is about grief. Whether you are newly bereaved or whether you have been stuck in grief for years, I do hope this podcast brings you some comfort. Grief is such a universal experience, but we all do it differently. This podcast is not about fixing you or forcing the healing process because there is no cure for grief. It can only be absorbed, experienced, loved and cared for. So whether you are doing it privately behind closed doors or like me, you are kicking and screaming your way through, let's support each other. This is a safe space where we can come together and share experiences. My hope is that this podcast shines a light on your path and gives you the strength to navigate your way through the grieving process. My name is Louise Bates and I'm so pleased we connected. I'm looking forward to interviewing people who have also walked this path to find out what worked for them in the hope that it helps you too. I'm sending you so much love and support and I look forward to sharing this crazy journey with you. Hello and welcome to A Gift for Grief and today I am delighted to have Dale Adams with me. Now Dale is the creator and founder of Our Light Inside. This is a digital platform where people can upload information, memories and personal messages to be passed on to their loved ones when they die. The purpose is to gift their loved ones the information they need to inform organisations and friends, plan their funeral and also to have messages to treasure, which I think is an incredible service. So welcome, Dale, and thank you for being a guest on my podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're very welcome. (laughs) Now, I would love to know what made you come up with this idea? It came after a very good friend of mine died of suicide and I spent a lot of time with his girlfriend and in doing so felt that what she and other people needed was more from him in the fact that they just needed one more word, one more sentence, one more idea. They just needed his help, which probably sounds quite strange but what I felt was if when people go through their lives they make notes of how they feel what they've enjoyed what maybe they like while they're feeling happy and healthy put down ideas for funerals whether it's songs or readings that they would like made notes of the people that have been important to them had somewhere where they were storing their bank details, as in nothing that would breach their security, but enough where people know what bank accounts they've got, maybe who their opticians are and chiropractors, things that we don't always know about people and how that would have been really helpful to her and the family at that point. And I really decided that maybe there was something that was needed, something that was missing. Um, a gift from the grave, I suppose, because we, we're we all going to die. We just don't know when. Oh. Absolutely. And people don't like to talk about death and dying. It's something we avoid, isn't it? But um, what do people do if they want to um, sign up for this 
Our Light Inside. We have a website, which is ourlightinside.com, and people can have a free membership, so they can go on and have a look round. They just get the basic features, as you do with a lot of these things. You have to pay for more features. But when they do pay, it's either £8 a year or 80 pence per month. That's all. That is amazing. An incredible service. Now, what would you say to someone who has elderly parents or sadly a loved one with maybe a terminal diagnosis and they're wondering about how to put their end of life plans in place? How do you start that difficult conversation with them? You're absolutely right that it's a difficult conversation. Mm. And as you know, with my mum with Lewy body dementia, it is, um, it's a circumstance that I found myself in. The fact is, you don't need to put it off. It's really important to have those conversations. And I consider it to be an act of love. We want to know what our loved ones would want from us, how they would want to be cared for, what they like, what they don't like, what they would want for a funeral. Again, when we talk about end-of-life planning, there's obviously an awful lot more to it than those little bits I've mentioned there and post-death planning. But when you start talking to loved ones about it, I've had conversations with my dad. I wish I'd have had the conversations with my mum when she was able to, But unfortunately, I kept putting it off, thinking that maybe she would either improve or she wouldn't deteriorate in the in the way that they'd said. And then you find it's too late. And so having the conversations with my dad, it actually brought about so much that I wouldn't have known. The discussion about what he would and wouldn't want. I think I'd have done the wrong thing had I not had those discussions with him. And people are then left wondering, did I or didn't I? So it really is a case of biting the bullet, saying, you know, we really do need to talk about it, doing it with love, because it is an act of love to want to honour them and their life through planning for their end of life and death. That's a beautiful way to put it, an act of love. Mm. It just softens it, doesn't it? It really is an act of love. Now, when my mum died, she was so organised. She paid for her funeral. She chose her readings. She chose the hymns. She even wrote her own eulogy. My grand did. I know, it's incredible, isn't it? So her funeral, arranging it, was very easy. Um, But there were lots of other things around her death that weren't easy. And she also had dementia. So sorting out bills and doing all that side of things. You know, the service you provide, it covers all of these things, doesn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. And you do have a beautiful website. And I love the tagline, helping you embrace going from physical to spiritual. Yes. just love that. So could you share an example when someone has had the chance to plan their end of life and post-death and the difference it made? Okay, well, in the last two years, I've had two friends die unexpectedly. And with them both, their families then had to do what they believed they would have wanted, which I think puts an awful lot of pressure on the family to get it right and 
they are literally guessing at what that person would have expected and hoped for their sort of post-death. And in one of them recently, his brother, when doing the eulogy, actually started to joke about how this this person would have been looking down laughing at him trying to cope with sorting <laughs> out his finances yeah. because we all knew that they would have probably been in a little bit of a mess. So you have that side of it where it's, they're lovely services, they are done with, again, with so much love and care, but they are done by the family, not by the person who's dying. Often when people do plan their own funerals, it's because they've been given a terminal diagnosis. And in that, I've had a few people die under those circumstances, one of which had her son basically led the ceremony and her ashes went up in fireworks over the local park. Ah, brilliant. Yeah. Another, she was laid to rest in a beautiful wicker coffin with flowers around it, which actually then became something that I would have wanted after seeing hers. Yeah. Um, and then you have, more recently, a friend who had us all singing in the crematorium and then had a large projector at the wake with pictures of her with all of her friends and she'd told us all she wanted everybody to dance all night, stay on the dance floor until midnight. And so we did from 6pm till 12pm, that dance floor was full and it just felt like she was there. It, yeah. it was completely unique to, to each of those people. And I'm sure she was there and she yeah. would have gone with peace knowing that her wishes had been fulfilled as well. So that's beautiful. Yeah. So you're a very busy lady, Dale. You're mm -hmm. currently training yes. in end-of-life facilitation. Yes, Could I Could you tell us a little bit about this? It's come from creating Our Light Inside. When I first put the website together, came up with the concept... Um, spoke to developers and various people to, to actually bring it into fruition, I thought everybody's just going to jump on this, they're going to do, do this, they're going to complete their information. And then I realised, as you've just said, people don't like to talk about it. And it was harder than I thought getting people to complete the information. So I decided that I needed to be able to help with that and I didn't know how. So I came across Before I Go Solutions, which is an end-of-life facilitation training company, joined their course and have worked with some amazing women uh, to put together how you then encourage people to put their end-of-life plans in place. And that way, we take people through the Our Light Inside process. So how long is the training and what's involved? It's actually basically over a few months, but it can be longer depending on what you have going on in your life. So there isn't a set term at the moment. I've been on it since last October. I started again with, as you know, various elements going on in my life with having a mum that I look after with dementia and the businesses that I've been setting up and growing, then it is taking me longer than I would have originally hoped. But also, I want to make sure that when I do go through the programme and I complete it, that I have all of the information that I need so 
A lot of background work is going in, speaking to people all the time in the end of life industry to make sure I've got the information I need to help other people with their plans. I think it's really interesting that we we prepare ourselves to give to bring life into this world. We you know, we have birth doulas. But we don't prepare ourselves to exit this life, do we? No. And, you know, we don't have to wait until we've given a diagnosis or a prognosis or we don't have to wait until we get old. We can get our affairs in order now. Absolutely. Um, And, I, you know, we don't... I mean, my son was 27 when he died, you know. Um, None of us know what's around the corner. So I think it's an incredible service what you're doing. It's really made me think about getting my affairs in order. Um, I hadn't heard when I set up Ally Inside, I hadn't heard of of end-of-life doulas and death doulas, but they are available. Yeah. And death midwives... It's quite incredible, as you say, that we plan for the birth of of a child and yet the moment we are born, we are going to die. It is the only guarantee. Absolutely, yeah. Our life will come to an end. So we go through day to day having no clue when that's likely to happen, which is a good thing. We, We don't really want to know. But when people do get a terminal diagnosis and they are given as such a time when their death is likely to come, they then start to plan, but they're planning through pain, Yes, in my opinion. It's different to saying, as I would now sat here very healthily, saying to my children, this is what I would want, saying to my family, these are the things I would want you to do. This is how I would want to be cared for when I can no longer say what I want for myself. And I think you're right. It's absolutely important that we're doing it before the diagnosis. I think it is important to have these conversations because most people don't like to talk about death and dying. And I'm really interested to know what drives you to work in this area. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. well, when I was in my mid 20s, I was told by a medium that I could speak with the dead which came as quite a shock, I suppose, at the Fascinating. time. <laughs> but I could, and I did that as a career for a little while in my 20s before I went into business. So I've done medium readings, which means I have a different opinion, I feel, on death. I believe that we have a spirit that is carried around in this physical body, a bit like you know, travelling in a boat or yeah. a vessel, And when our physical body dies, our spirit is released. Therefore, our spirit lives on, which is how people who can communicate with the dead or somebody, as I would say, who is in spirit, you then know that there is more to our physical life and death as we know it. I'm so on this page with you. We could do another podcast just on that, couldn't we? <laughs> yes. I, I love that subject. So, Dale, have you experienced any personal grief yourself? And if so, how did it impact you? Yes, I've had family members that have died. However, they were elderly. So I feel that their losses, although unexpected at the time and you still, you grieve, it's hard to know that they're no longer there for you to talk to and give a hug. They had lived their lives. 
the main impact for me is the friends. And I think as you get older and you lose more friends, your mortality becomes so prevalent in your life and you start to change your opinion on life and death and what life is all about and wanting to make sure that when we die that that we have left a legacy, I suppose, of love for the people around us yeah. and that we're also, for me now, making sure they're supported regardless of what happens to me. I think it makes a huge impact. There was one in particular was one of my best friend's sisters and she was younger than us. She was a very strong person and her death was a real shock. It was a terminal diagnosis. But sometimes you, you feel that when somebody's strong and dominant and they... that nothing can happen to them. Yeah. And then it did and it was very quick. It was literally three to four months from diagnosis to death. And I, that had quite an impact Yeah, because of who she was and being younger. And, and yeah. yeah, it's not supposed to happen when you're young. You know, supposed to live long lives. You, you know that. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, die in our 90s. Yes. Um, but it doesn't always work like that. And, um, you know, like I say, none of us know how long we have on this earth. But, you know, you're dealing with your mum's dementia as well. And we were talking before we started the podcast about how you feel you're already grieving for your mum. Yes. And I feel this is like a really important topic to talk about because I lost both my parents to um, dementia. My dad was quite a few years ago now. And he also had um, COPD, which is quite a horrible lung disease. So he was in and out of hospital you know, with chest infections and quite a few times we thought he was going to die and then he got well again. And then when he did die, I had that initial emotional wave of grief come up and then the next day I felt numb. But by day three, I wasn't feeling sad and I thought, what's wrong with me? My dad's died and I don't, I'm not falling to bits, I'm not crying, I must be a really hard person... And now, years later, having done all of this work with grief, I realise that we experience grief as we lose our loved ones to dementia. As dementia takes away their personality, we're grieving. And there's actually a name for this, and it's called anticipatory grief. There's lots of different types of grief. But now I look back and realise that I had grieved for my dad. Yes. And when he died, I mean, people talk about a happy release. I'm not sure how I feel about that term, but it was a type of release and a relief. And then months later, that was followed by guilt. And these are all normal emotional responses that we go through when we experience, you know, death. Um, in these ways so you know I appreciate how difficult it is for you your mum's going through dementia yes she has Lewy body dementia so I know obviously dementia can present itself in many different ways but it's has Parkinsonian traits so it's sort of taking the body as well as the mind so she's now basically non-verbal which again goes back to when I said, if only I had known 
how quickly she would lose the ability to speak to us and tell us what she wanted, I would have had conversations with her. Yeah. Much, well, I would have had conversations with her, not even much earlier. It, it became too late to have those. But it's only in the last few weeks I think I've noticed my grief. You're absolutely right that you do, you are grieving as, as it, it goes along. Yeah. But only in the last few weeks as things have deteriorated more to the to the stages that we've got some hard decisions to make and that's when as you've just said the guilt element comes in are we doing the right thing is it the right thing for her is it the right thing for us where are the decisions coming from and this is when it would have been very nice if those decisions were coming from her Absolutely. So I can see, you know, why you've gone down this path and it's such an important service for people out there. Well, with our light inside, it was always designed as, if you like, the post-death planning. So the information that somebody puts into it isn't released until they die. Okay. So it gets released to their nominees, who are, would be their loved ones, and at that point it will tell them where everything is where what information they need who they want to need to invite or let know about their death what they would want as i've said previously for their funeral what messages they've left for their loved ones and pictures and memories and and these sort of things whereas what has now come from what's been happening with my mom is what is being called planning ahead of time which actually spells pat which is my mum's oh. name so planning ahead of time i do like to use initials for things yeah. um which is all end of life planning and that has come from what i've experienced with my mum yeah and that's a lovely way to honor your mum using her name in that way as well it's beautiful so in regards um to your personal losses dale where would you say you are in your grief journey now I think I'm about to start one, to be honest. Okay. I'm at the start Aww. of one. But I do think when I look at um, the the grief that I have gone through, I really do believe the work I'm doing is making such a difference. And I now very much understand why people who lose loved ones try to turn that into something positive because it gives their grief somewhere to go and it allows me to look at what I'm doing and the people that I'm trying to help and those that I'm speaking to and say, this is some good that has come out of something that was so bad, really. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, I'm just glad that I have this to look at and turn to and I can still talk about some of the people and and do in the work that I'm doing at the moment. I do talk about them and their deaths and what's happened with them in more in-depth detail and that helps to keep their memories alive, allows you to think about people because that's what we all want. Absolutely. We want to be remembered. We want people to talk about us. Yeah, yeah. And Absolutely. I think it's very sad when people tell me that they're expected not to talk about their loved one who's died because of the upset that that can bring. Well, yeah. actually, people are already upset. 
And I think in this country, we're not very good at doing grief, are we? We have this British stiff upper lip, keep calm and carry on approach. And other countries and cultures are much better at doing grief than we are in this country. So I think it's really important and why I'm now doing podcasts, because we need to have these conversations. Um, So you have a very similar belief system to me about um, life after death. Yes. (laughs) So have you had any personal messages or signs from loved ones from the other side? Yes, and I think some things come... And they are very subtle. And one of those is something I've just spoken about. So I'd been thinking for a while about having a different name for the end of life planning to the post-death planning. And I always work with using the initials of companies to spell something potentially relevant. And the planning ahead of time I wrote that down when I was t- I was writing some information about what I was looking to do and at the end put what I want to do is make sure that people are planning ahead of time. And then I thought I like that. That's really Ooh. good. And then when I looked at it and I thought yeah but what does it mean? I looked at it and it's about pat. And for somebody else they may think well that's 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 nothing. That's not relevant. But to me I felt I'd been given that. That is a sign, as I would put it, that somebody is supporting what I'm doing and saying, yes, Dale, you're on the right track. Keep going. I think personally for me, Robins are very significant. I had a situation quite a while ago where I'd had a, a visit from a little girl who died and I'd been given information about contacting her parents and I felt that this was quite a difficult situation that I'd been put in and I didn't really know what to do about it and I sat in my reading room at the time and thought I'm not really sure whether to make this phone call I don't know what to do and as I was thinking it a robin flew backwards and forwards in front of the window And for me, as I've just gone goosebumpy saying it... I'm getting the goosebumps, goosebumps too. Well, yeah. to me, that was a spiritual sign. Robins are very spiritual for yes. me. That was some, But that was somebody saying, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And I picked up the phone and made the phone call, which was extremely well received. So I'm very grateful that yeah. I did. But for me, signs are can be very small, very subtle, walking along, thinking about somebody and there's just a a lovely white fluffy feather, things like this. But equally, because I do medium work, yes, I can have and do have full conversations with people who've who've died, mainly family members and and people close to me. So That's amazing. And and I love the signs as well. I, I look for different shaped clouds I look for feathers I see robins um and I think if you're sort of on that wavelength you know they're there and you notice them yes and if you're not they're still there you just don't notice them it's about being in tune isn't it on that level and showing a gratitude for those items as well and saying thank you and I think when you start saying thank you for the signs you get more yeah acknowledging them yeah yeah yeah. But sometimes because I have these chats with with people, um, 
that obviously other people can't see. I mean, I have been known to be driving along and in my head I'm chatting away and then all of a sudden I say something out loud and people in the car will look at me as they have done and sort of say, what? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sorry. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't talking to you. I yeah. was talking to somebody else. And that can make you look a little bit strange. Yeah, but... Strange is good. We like strange. Yeah, uniqueness is Absolutely. How, I, how I class it. Yeah, no, I love it. So for people who have just lost a loved one or perhaps for others who have been maybe stuck in grief for years, do you have any words of wisdom you could share to maybe help them loosen their grief in some way? I think for me, after having and I have had many conversations with people who are in spirit and given that information across to their loved ones in the physical world it's information that I couldn't know not it's not everybody's belief but that, that's yeah. fine however I have given so much information across that I couldn't possibly know about people I've never met and what you find is that one there is more to this life than a physical body. And when the physical body dies, what also dies are the is the pain that that body is in and the burdens of being restricted by a physical body. So all ailments disappear along with the body. The spirit is released. That spirit is free. It does still sit with you, be around you, I believe that all the time. I think, again, when people are a little bit more tuned in, you can sometimes sense it, smell it. We are energy at the end of yeah. the day. And that, that energy is very, very powerful. Nobody that I have ever spoken to in spirit um, has ever wanted their loved one to be still grieving their loss, hanging on to all of their possessions, struggling because they're no longer struggling. And yet often it's those in the physical world that have more pain, more grief, yeah. more struggles. The The people that they're grieving for no longer feel that in that same way and actually want them to move on and live the life that we've got here. Absolutely, yes. It's very difficult when people are grieving for them to accept that and, and that I totally understand yeah. But they live through us yeah. by watching what we're doing and being part of what we're doing. And for me, it's therefore so important to live with them in mind. So if, you, if they liked doing certain things, liked baking, liked walks, go to those favourite places, talk about them. Find people who will understand and will listen to you. And bring them into your everyday life. And I, I believe that will certainly help to ease things yeah. a little. That's great advice. And I always believe as well that, you know, we go through this grieving process and obviously all the emotions and intensities come up and we need to process that. And once we can actually make peace with our grief that also sends our loved ones peace too. Yes. Even though there'll be days where, oh, I feel really sad today, that's okay. Yes. But to actually make peace, to 
acceptance of the death and by processing the grief as much as we can, it will send our loved ones peace too. Because like you say, they want us to live our lives. They want us to be happy. And we can live our lives and honour them by doing that. This is where what I hear of what you're saying is that energetical connection. Yeah. By us being at peace, we're sending that peace. We're Again, it's it's through energy yes. and energy healing of ourselves and them. And when you do the work that you have done with Letters to Matthew, yeah. then you are working with him and putting down into paper and into the physical world things that are needed but you're you're bringing him through you're honoring him in everything that you're doing therefore he yeah. is still with you in your physical life just energetically and i feel him more i feel that connection more when i'm feeling peaceful yes i'm not saying i feel like this all the time because you know i'm my grief experience is ongoing and as a lot of people will know you know grief there's no cure for grief we no. just you know we move through it we carry it with love and we care for grief um but yes i think we can strengthen that relationship with our loved ones when we're feeling more peaceful it's also when you're more peaceful is when they can come through to you yes when you have a busy mind there is no space for them to to speak and communicate again it's not what everybody would believe and agree with but this is why meditation is so important and being mindful and being calm because it just allows us to hear things that we can't always hear when we're rushing around but a lot of the time understandably people try and block the grief by filling their time and filling their mind because they're they're scared of what's going to come up when they sit in that silence yeah and I, I can relate to that in the early days I kept myself busy it was a distraction um but people everybody experiences grief in their own yeah. way and there's no rules and there's no right and there's no wrong way um but it is about processing it in your own time getting the right support and um i think the service that you provide is really really going to help people Thank through you. their experience i think it's amazing now you're building a community of end of life workers and suppliers so how can people interested in what you do find out more information? It's a Facebook group, actually, that's been set up for, as you say, people who are either working in or supplying to the end-of-life industry. And I've called it end-of-lifers. The idea is that people can connect and support each other. I have found the end-of-life sector, industry, however you wish to describe it, to be such a lovely, warm, caring, helpful environment to be in. Everybody working in it has a, has a story as to why they're there, but they all want to help. And they all have the end aim of making end of life and death easier for the people that, that they're supporting. However, they also need support 
And I feel that by connecting people together, it w also that you're sharing the services that you provide so you can link up with more people that way. They are giving their knowledge and information to other people in the group, which, again, can be very helpful depending on what area you're working in in end of life. There'll be things that you don't know that other people mm. are doing. And so it allows for that sharing and connectivity. But then you get the support side as well. So it is a Facebook group. It is only for people that are working in that industry. For other people that would want to look at end of life death planning, then that would be Our Light Inside, which also has Facebook pages and groups. Okay. And there's the website as well. Is that ourlightinside.com? Yes, that's yeah. the website. And then the planning ahead of time, which is webinars and short courses to help people look at lasting powers of attorney. Uh, what type of funeral are available to them? Maybe coffin types, because there's actually a lot that is available that I didn't know about yeah. even six months ago and now I'm learning all the all the time the respect documents things that again people put in place towards their end of life or when they feel that their end of life is coming and then they struggle to have those conversations with their loved ones as we need you to look at this respect document which will give sort of recommendations to how you want to be cared for in end of life yeah. and sort of the DNR element of do not resuscitate. And it's scary when you're at that stage. Yeah. But when you're healthy, completing that so that it's done, looking at lasting powers of attorney and the various types, whether it's financial, medical, it, and enduring, then it's it's these things that really people need to be looking at when they're healthy Absolutely. and putting them in place yeah. so that the conversations are a lot less difficult when they're being held then than they are when it comes to the point that they're needed. Yeah, yeah, that's so important. Now, I think you've answered this question. What are your thoughts about the afterlife? <laughs> there is <laughs> but one. But do you have a faith, a religion, or is it just a belief? It's a belief system. Yeah. yeah. To me, I have this spiritual belief. I, I know from what I've done that when our physical body dies as you say we've already said it that our spirit's released and this sometimes I find is affecting even what's happening with my mum yeah. with dementia uh, because it's taking her body and mind and her life now is so limited there comes a point that the feeling is that she would be released by death not yet. No. We're not at that stage yet. No. So please don't uh, don't take that the wrong way. But I know there'll come a point when her life is so bed bound and difficult. Yeah. That for me, when that physical body has gone, her spirit will be free of of the pain and the the discomfort and the limits that 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 physical body is yes. putting on her. So my belief in the afterlife and that they have a spiritual life, helps me look at my mum's situation with different eyes. 
I think that's beautiful. And I think that is a beautiful message and a perfect note to end today's podcast on. I absolutely love how you have turned your difficult life experiences into a service and you are going to help so many people. I wish we could have had this conversation a few years ago, (laughs) but it has inspired me to get my affairs in order because none of us know what's around the corner. We don't have to wait for a terminal diagnosis or old age. I hope this podcast encourages others to think about their own mortality and having those difficult conversations. So please take a look at Dale's beautiful website, ourlightinside.com. I will put the link in the show notes. So thank you, Dale, so much. And thank you for sharing your story. Thank you very much for allowing me to be on your podcast. You're very welcome. very grateful. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Gift for Grief. Please feel free to share it with your friends and family and let's encourage others to become more grief literate. If you're struggling with your grief or worried about your mental health, please do speak to your doctor. If you would like to join me on my social media groups, check out the show notes for all the links and I look forward to connecting with you next time. The music on this podcast was written and recorded by Matthew Bates and can be found on his two albums, Fight Back and Kaleidoscope.